Uh, well, guys, if, if you have your, those Bibles, I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'm going to start in verse 31, and I'm just going to tell you in advance, it's a strange collection of Scripture that I'm going to, like, we're going to go through it all beforehand, because you guys are going to go, what on earth does any of this have to do with, with, with a giant in my life? And, and so I'm, I'm telling you in advance, it's going to sound weird, but, but I, I think this is what we've got to do to get there. And so uh, I'm going to start in verse uh, 31. And, um, and then, and then we'll, we'll read, I think, through 40 together. And then I've got some other, other uh, things I'll share with you on the screen. So here's what the Word of God says. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, starting in 31. Uh, it says, What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Now, now back up. Remember, David shows up with provisions. Uh, his, his brothers have been there 40 days. Uh, Philistines, Israelites. Uh, Goliath is coming out every day. He's mocking Israel. Uh, he's mocking their God. Nobody's doing anything. Saul's not doing anything. Uh, Saul's the, the biggest and the baddest of all of Israel. He's still kind of in his tent. Like, nobody's doing anything. David shows up and he's like, Hey, hey, what, what, what's up? How come nobody's fighting him? What, what did the king say would happen if somebody takes him down? And, uh, and then his brother kind of mocks mocks him, is like, no, you know, you, like we talked about that, the anger of Eliab last week. And so, um, so, so this morning, that's kind of the backstory. So it says, what, what David said is overheard and reported to Saul. So he had David brought to him. And David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Uh, but Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since uh, he was young. Now, that's verse 33, but I, I, that's, I, I'm reading from the CSB. But I want to show you the ESV, which I think is a little better translation here, because I want you to get the gravity of what Saul really says to David. Here's what he says, uh, verse 33 in the ESV. Uh, it says, Saul said to David, you're not able, Right? So, so, so it's not, in, in our translation, he says, you, you can't go fight the Philistine. But he actually says to him, like, you're not able. You are not able to do this. And then David responds. He's like, dude, you don't even know me. I'm like, like I've, I've killed a lion and a bear with my bare hands, right? Uh, and, and so that, that kind of happens. But, but then here's what happens after David explains what God has done uh, in him and through him. In verse 38, it says, Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and, and had him put on armor. Uh, David strapped uh, his sword, this is Saul's sword, on over the military clothes. And he tried to walk, but he wasn't used to them. And he said, I can't walk in these. Uh, I'm not used to them. So David took them off, and in, instead he took his staff in his hand. And he chose five smooth stones from the wadi. He put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. And then with his sling in his hand, he approached uh, the Philistine. Now, now that's, that's, we, we've heard that story. This is week six now. Uh, so I, I want to fill in the, the rest of the story, right? Uh, Ed Harvey, here's the rest of the story. So um, I, I want to skip to chapter 18. And uh, here's what we read in 1 Samuel 18, starting in verse 10. It says, the next day, now th this is after David has defeated Goliath, and they've had the military parade back in town. And the crowds, especially the women, uh, are singing a song. Uh, and it, it's, it's like, yes, yeah, Saul has killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. And it says that, that, that Saul becomes extremely jealous. And, and, then it, and then it goes, and the next day, an evil spirit sent from God came powerfully on Saul, and he began to rave inside the palace. Now, David was playing the lyre as usual, right? Uh, they, they literally found out that when someone played the harp, it made him feel better. They, they found David. David's playing the harp here. It says, Saul was holding a spear, and he threw it, thinking, ready, I'll pin David to the wall. Now, that doesn't mean I'll pin him like, like, like no. He's like, I'll pin him to the wall. He's, he's trying to kill David. 
Okay? Uh, and, and it says, but David got away from him twice. So he does it twice here, just on, on this occasion. Now skip with me to, uh, to uh, chapter 19, 1 Samuel 19, starting in verse 9. Uh, again, now an evil spirit sent from the Lord came on Saul, and he was sitting in his palace holding a spear. Dude still has a spear in his hand, okay? So I'm just, I'm I'm setting the table. You need to understand, right? So David is playing the liar, and and Saul tried to pen David against the wall with a spear. And as the spear struck the wall, David eluded. Saul ran away and escaped that night. Now, uh, eventually what's going to happen is it's going to become very apparent that that Saul is seeking to kill David. David's going to kind of run and hide. And and Jonathan's like, no, 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 my my dad's not going to kill you. Hey, let's do this. Let's do a test. You're supposed to show up for dinner. I'll tell dad you went to make a sacrifice. Sacrifice. You you go and hide and 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 listen. Uh, if he's really really mad at you, I'll put an arrow on this side. And if he's not, I'll put an arrow on this side. And, and like we'll figure it out. So we want to be on the side. We want to be long. And and and, and like that's going to be our code. So uh, so then so Jonathan uh, Saul's son goes to stand before his dad. And and here's the little transaction. First Samuel twenty, starting verse thirty two. It says uh, Jonathan answered his father back right because his dad had just said, Hey, you've got we've got to we've got to take care of David, or else you're never going to sit on the throne. We've got to kill him. And Jonathan answered his father, Why is he to be killed? What has he done? Get this. Then Saul threw the spirit Jonathan to kill him. So he knew that his father was determined to kill David. Now, listen, that is a weird grouping of Scripture for me to share with you this morning. I totally get it. All right? And you're going, what on earth does this have to do with a giant? Well, here's what it has to do. I, I, I believe something is going on in Saul's life uh, that paints a picture for what many of us struggle with. And, and so here's what I want to focus on this morning, right? I, I, this morning, I, I am hoping to make a point about the things that we turn to. I, I'm hoping to make a point about the things that we, we wrap ourselves up in, that we clothe ourselves in, the things uh, that make us feel stronger. Think of that spear in his hand. Uh, I, 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 I want to talk to you about the things that, that we use to cover up something um, maybe deep inside of us that we don't want others to see. And I believe if you look at the life of Saul, you get a perfect case study of a man who's head and shoulders above everybody else. You remember when he's anointed the first time. I mean, there's nobody like Saul in the land. But when he's supposed to be like made king, he's hiding, right? The giant of Israel's hiding. Something's, something's up. And, and, and then, right, the very first battle, uh, they're supposed to go in, right, instead of waiting, Something's wrong, and I just got to do it now. There's something going on in, in Saul, right? And, and then uh, verse, verse the Philistines, verse Goliath, the, the strongest, fiercest warrior in all of Israel is, it is in his tent. He's not on the battlefield. Uh, and, and, and when we see him, as we begin to study the story, we see him time and time again. It seems like he has, he has his armor on. Right? Like, like he's, he's covered up. He's, he's got this spear in his hand. And, and, and what I want to kind of present to you this morning is I, I, I believe that what Saul's doing is he's trying to cover up an inadequacy in his own life that he doesn't want to share with anybody else. He's trying to cover up. He's trying to be something he's not. Maybe, maybe that's just, look, look how strong and brave I am when in truth that's not the case. Right? And so I, 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 what, what I'm going to present to you this morning is I, I think that in itself. You may go, this has nothing to do with me, just hearing that. And I, I think this morning it has so much more to do with us than we would ever admit. So this morning I want to talk to you about the last giant that we need to fall, and that's the giant of addiction. Alright? The giant of addiction. Three things that I want to share with you. Okay, and here's the first. I want you to know this morning that most addiction is just an attempt to mask some sort of pain or hurt 
that we're not willing to let others see. Okay? Most addiction is an attempt to mask some sort of pain or hurt that we're not willing to let others see. Now, when we think about addiction, we tend to think about behaviors, uh, actions, activities, right? So if I were to say, like, hey, let's talk about addiction, first on your list, probably alcohol, right? Because it's easy. It's the easy target. We're like, yeah, like, like drinking too much alcohol, that's, that's, that's an addiction. Uh, drugs, you know, that's another one. Drugs, that's easy. Uh, pornography, um, that's an addiction. Um, but what about the other things that are a little harder for us to identify in ourselves, like food, Right? That, that food, that we, we turn to food as, as, as a way to deal, as a way to cope. Um, what about adrenaline? Like literally the term is adrenaline junkie, right? A junkie, that's a total addict that has to have something exciting always going on in, in their life. Uh, what, what about wealth, right? Like it's never enough. I've got to have every, every clink in the bank account. Just, oh, it, it brings some kind of release for me. What about accomplishments, right? People can be addicted to that uh, approval. Hello, social media. This is why every social media stock is soared because they, they literally prey on your need to be approved by other people, right? And it's an addiction in our lives. Um, what about pain, right? That's an addiction. Some people, man, uh, we, we go through phases and you just feel so numb that they're willing to harm themselves because it's the only time they feel anything, right? They become addicted to, to pain. Um, there's, there's just stuff, right? Like shopping, that can be an addiction. Um, now, we, we label it and try to make it sound nice, retail therapy, right? It's not therapy. It's addiction, right? I got to have more stuff. If, if when I'm stressed out, what do I do? I'm just going to go buy something. I'm just going to go shop. Uh, oh, that's better, right? No, it's, it's still an, an addiction. It's a way of coping, a way of dealing. And, and guys, finally, I just tell you, it doesn't have to be stuff. It can be people, right? We can be addicted to people. Uh, codependency. It, it's, a real, it's a real thing. And, and listen, uh, what I want you to see is, is all those activities, all, all that stuff that we think of as addiction, all, all the outer stuff, is really typically just a way for us to cover up some sort of pain, some sort of hurt, or some sort of inadequacy in our own lives. And here's the key to it all. It's an inadequacy that we don't want others to see. So, so addiction, literally, the heart of it, is we don't want others to see our weakness, so we try to cover it up. We try to cope so that we can appear to be stronger than we are. You guys following me? Right? That's the, that's the heart of addiction. Right? And so that's what we see with Saul. Head taller, hiding instead of uh, being there every time we see him. We're talking about armor, we're talking about a spear. He, he, there's some attempt to cover up some inadequacy. And I wonder, like clearly he had that inadequacy before he was ever chosen king. But man, how amplified is it after Samuel rejects him, right? It's just amplified. And, and I believe it just, man, it, it, we're, he's, he's never going to let that spear go. It's got to be with him at all times. And so uh, this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. So we're going to start here. Most addiction is an attempt to mask some sort of pain or hurt that we're not willing to let others see. Second thing I want you to know is that our fear of being vulnerable is what makes addiction such a vicious cycle. Okay? So the, the key to it all is it, it, some kind of... Uh, not insecurity, some kind of inadequacy in me that I don't want others to see. And so our fear of being vulnerable is what makes addiction such a vicious cycle. Um, so I, I have a saying, and it's this, sin is never content to be contained. Okay? 
Sin is never content to be contained. And so, uh, when we turn to sinful behaviors in order to cope, those behaviors will seek to become our king. Alright? Sin is never content to be contained. So when we turn to sinful behaviors in order to cope, those things that we're using to cope will, will in, in essence, they'll eventually try to become our king. They'll, they'll try to reign over us. And this is the key uh, to, to its power. The key to the power of addiction, ready, is secrecy. That's the key. The key to the power of addiction is secrecy. It's, it's this thought, I've got this. It's our unwillingness to be vulnerable with God and, and with others. And, and so I, I told you guys that we're, we're, a lot of this study has been based on a book by uh, Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. Like, same title. We, we just ripped it off. Um, but we gave him credit for it, so it's fine. Uh, so, so in it, he, he lists out the pattern of addiction. I just want you to see the cycle. He calls it a pattern. I'm going to call it a cycle because it feeds itself. And, and so this is what he says. He says, vulnerability makes us feel weak. And, and weakness makes us try to cover up and cope, right? And listen, and when we try to cover up and cope, we run to addiction, right? And then what happens? Then that feeds the vulnerability, which, which then feeds the need to cover and cope, which then leads to more addiction. Like that's the, it's a cycle. In the Bible, we call that a stronghold. We call that a stronghold. That's what an addiction is, right? It's a stronghold. And, and, and let me put it another way. <laughs> It's, it's like this, when we feel pain, when we feel pain, we turn towards harmful things in order to deal with it. That's the truth. Now, you, you may not like that, but that, in essence, that, that's what that is. We, we turn towards things to help us cope, and those things are usually harmful. And, and it's, it sounds crazy, when you say that out loud, when you say out loud, okay, when I feel pain, and, and it, it relates to something deep in me, I turn to something harmful to, to help me cope as, as a refuge. You think, that's stupid, right? And it is, right? It is. But, but we see it in the life, like in our own lives, we look in the mirror, but we, we see it in the lives of, of great biblical people. David, for instance, we do in our Bible reading this week? 1 Samuel 21. What does he do when it all comes down? So 1 Samuel 21, it all comes down. Now he's being hunted. Now he, he, he can't go back, he's, he's left, he like, like, I can't go back, I can't go back to my wife, I can't go back to my friends. He's on the run. Do you know the first place he turns? David heads to the city of Gath, right? I, I mean, it's 1 Samuel 21.10, David fled that day from Saul's presence and he went to the king of Ahish of Gath, of Gath. You know what Gath is? It's a Philistine city. David literally ran to the enemy to deal with the hurt he was going through. And, and when I read that, I thought, how stupid can you be? And then I looked in the mirror and I finished the sentence with Jason, right? How stupid can we be? But that is exactly what happens. David is hurt. He runs to the enemy seeking refuge. And y'all, that's our story. We have these deep insecurities that we don't want to deal with. We, we don't want to let anyone see it. We don't want to talk about it with God. So we turn to things to cope, to deal, to make ourselves feel stronger. And those places we're turning, y'all, we're actually running into enemy territory seeking refuge. And i got to tell you, that's idiotic. Anyone else? Like, I just, I'm like, I, dumb. I am dumb. Guys, it... It's got to stop. It's got to stop. We can't keep running to the enemy.
to seek refuge. So here's the key. I think this is what turns the tide. Ready? Our key to victory is vulnerability with God. Our key to victory over these things, right? And I know we think of them as behaviors. There's deeper sources. And the key then is to talk about those deeper sources with God. The key is vulnerability. The key is vulnerability. Like David, uh, for the Lord to use us in a mighty way, we've got to be willing to be our true self. So, so let's go back to the story. This is crazy. Oh, this has happened so many times in your life. Right? So Saul is dealing with all this junk, right? Right? I mean, he's took, I, got, I got my crown, I got, got my armor, and I got my spear. Like Saul is carrying around all this junk. And what does he do? He tries to put his junk onto David. Right? That's what he does. Anybody ever had somebody do that to you? Man, they've got all kinds of issues in their life. They're just going to put that on you. Oh, well, you've got to do this, or you've got to do that. Like, hello? And, and David, praise God for the wisdom of, you know, he, he's got the wisdom of someone way older. He's just a youth. He's like, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't deal with this. Like, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't walk around with all the stuff that you're carrying. I've, I've just got to be who the Lord made me to be. Man, you've you got to take all this. I'm going to get my slingshot and some stones. And like, that's how we roll. And so David goes out uh, choosing to be his, his true self, knowing that God has done this in the past, and, and he's going to do the... The, the same thing again. So the word we've heard again and again and again, and Giglio makes a point of, of writing this in the book, is this. It's vulnerable, right? So I just want you to look at the word for a second. We'll put it real big on the screen. It's the last part of that word. Able. Right? Able. So when we talk about vulnerability, here's what I mean. I mean the gut-wrenching stuff you don't want to talk about with God. Okay? Like, God, I feel alone. Like, even when surrounded by people, right? Like, like God, I, I'm not okay. God, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of messed up, in fact. I, I, I always have carry with me the sense of, of possible abandonment. Like, God, that's, that's real, right? Uh, God, I'm, I'm tired. You've got to confess that. God, like, I, I don't always feel loved, right? God, I don't know how you can use me. God, I'm afraid if I don't perform that other people are going to think that I'm useful. Like, you fill in the blanks with how you really feel and the depths of who you are. You just lay it out before God. And I want to tell you, it is not fun. But when we're vulnerable, then we become able. And this is biblical, y'all. You remember the story of Paul? Paul had this great revelation God gives him a thorn to keep him humble, and that thorn, like, wrecks Paul's life. Wrecks it. Thorn in the flesh. And somebody says, well, what is the thorn? It'd be helpful if I knew. Was it physical? Was it spiritual? Like, we don't know, and there's a reason we don't know. Because God wants you to apply it to your life. And if it was, well, Paul was dealing with dementia, then it would only apply to those that have dementia. Right? So this is applicable for all of us. Right? So Paul, this thing's affecting him so bad. He is begging God, God, please take this from me. Please, God. On three different occasions, he had a beg fest. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, I beg you, Lord. Like, on three different occasions, he's on his face before the Lord, crying out, God, please take this from me. Maybe you've been there. Right? And then God says something to Paul, and he writes it down for 2 Corinthians 9 through 10. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected 
in weakness. If you want to put the word your there, that's cool. God is saying, my power is perfected in your weakness. Therefore, I most gladly boast, Paul says, all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Skip a little bit ahead. Uh, the next sentence, it says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Wording important. Not just that when I am weak, God is strong. God's always strong. He's strong when you're strong. He's strong when you're weak. Okay? God's always strong. He says, but then when I'm weak, then I am strong. When I'm, when I'm weak, I'm able. When I'm vulnerable, I'm able. When, when, I, when, I, when I'm relying upon the grace of God, when I'm coming before God going, God, I'm a broken mess. God, I'm struggling with this. God, this is how I feel. God uses those kinds of people in powerful ways in Scripture. He just does. The key is vulnerability, right? So, uh, how do we put these things into practice? I'll give you some application. I'll let you go. Number one, uh, we've got to turn to Jesus and be honest. We've got to turn to Jesus and be honest. Uh, so I, I have news for you. Ready? God knows you're going to run. Actually made you that way. It's called fight or flight, right? Scientists are like, oh, we have a fight or flight. Well, guess who put that in you? That's God. Um, God made you. He fashioned you. He formed you. And he made you with some responses to things. So, so sometimes fear is going to make us fight. Sometimes it's going to make us run. But here's where we mess up all the time. God wants you to run, but he wants you to run to him. Right? That's what God wanted. God wanted David to run to him. Not to run to the enemy, which by the way, then he gets captured. It's a whole thing. He wrote Psalms about it. He eventually gets out because he acts like a madman and lies. But anyway, it's a whole nother... Like there was a season of his life he's captured by the enemy because he's stupid. Hello? That's us. Right? That is us. We've had seasons of our lives. We've been captured by the enemy because we're stupid. We've run to the enemy for refuge. And God is like, I knew you were going to run, but I thought you'd run to me. Right? Run to me. And so you've got to turn to God. Now listen, that means something. If we're turning to God, we're turning away from those other behaviors. Right? So you've got to say, you know what? Enough. My house is full of shopping. Right? It's full of it. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I'm getting out of this. I'm selling all this junk half off. Then I'm going to get a second job, pay off the debt, and I'm, I'm going to be free. Enough is enough. Right? Some guy says, you know what? No more pornography in my house. I, I'm, I'm only going to watch like G and PG rated stuff. I'll go up to PG-13. That's all I... Like, he's just like, I am done, yo. Everything has a password and I don't care. Right? I, I, mean, I mean, like you fill in the blank with whatever it is, but at some point we go, God, I am so sick of this. Forgive me. Why have I run to the enemy? I'm running back to you. So we turn to him and when we turn to him, we have to be real. Don't turn to God with your own action plan. Your plans stink. Right? Our plans stink. They're horrible. Right? They're, like, when have they ever worked? So don't turn to God like, okay, God, I've got it. I just need you to... Like, turn to God and admit, I know nothing. I, like, I can't do it. I'm a wreck. I'm, like, just lay it all out there. Be completely vulnerable with God. He'll use that. Right? Second... After you turn to Jesus and tell Him, I want to encourage you to tell a trusted friend. Right? Notice the word trusted. I chose that on purpose. Tell a trusted friend. Don't tell all people. Some people you think are your friends. They're not your friends. They're your acquaintances. Okay? Tell a trusted friend uh, that you, like, what's going on. Right? 
Uh, think about the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, who, who dies, he's dead for four days. Jesus comes, he's like calls him out. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out. He's now alive. But do you remember what was wrong with him? When he came out of the tomb, anybody? He's, he's wrapped up, right? He is wrapped up. Hello, that's what we're talking about. Wrapped up. So he's wrapped up. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, Lazarus, get yourself unbound because he can't. He talks to his friends and says, hey, take those grave clothes off. And some of you need to talk to a friend. You need to say, hey, I need some help getting this stuff off. And I've been hiding. I've been trying to cover up. And I need to be my authentic self. And this is my authentic self. I am broken beyond repair. This is what I'm going through. And I just want you to help me see that. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go back to those old outfits again and again. I'm going to try to pick up the chain mail and the spear over and over. I'm going to do it. I need you to call me out. Okay, I'm giving you permission. Help me. Help me get off this ungodly armor. Right? And you're going to need help. And so you need to tell a friend. Somebody says, I don't have a... Trusted friend, get a counselor, Christian one, okay? If you need resources, call us. We will point you in the right direction. We do it all the time, okay? Find somebody that you can talk to. It's really, really, really important. Lastly, um, I want to challenge you to clearly identify uh, your three rings. Now, you guys have no clue with that. You're like, is this a Lord of the Rings reference? What on earth is going on? Uh, it's just a different book, totally different book. Uh, and so uh, this book is, is written... Um, by uh, Ben Stewart, uh, who, who taught uh, Bible study at AM for a while. Um, but it's a book called Rest in War. And in it, it deals with, uh, on some levels, the, the spiritual battles that we faced and our need for spiritual rest. And, uh, and so in it, he was talking with a guy that had, had, had gotten, um, he had done it. He had made it to the other side of addiction. And he said, like, hey, what, what, what was really important for you? And the guy talked about this worksheet. He said, I had this worksheet. Uh, and this guy was a former sex addict, and he, he, I mean, had been through everything you could imagine, had come out on the other side, had been clean for a long time. He said, this worksheet was crucial for me, and so uh, it, it, this worksheet is about three rings, three circles, okay? And the inner ring, that's what you write, everything that would, would be basically a break of sobriety. Whatever your addiction is, shopping, right? Like, if I, if I, if I go buy 16 purses, that's it. Like, whatever, whatever the thing is, right? Uh, pornography. If I watch a rated R movie, like, like whatever, whatever is, a, is a full break in, in the actual sobriety, like, that goes in that inner ring, in that inner circle. So you, you, you got to write that down. That's, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, if you get the hard copy notes, there's a whole printout of this on the back. Um, but you can just take, take, like, take a picture, do it on a, on a sheet of paper. It's not, so inner ring, these are, these are the things you'd be a break in sobriety. The yellow, kind of that, that, that middle ring, uh, these are behaviors that reveal we're headed towards that. That we're headed in the wrong direction, right? So, so the yellow ring is this. It's like, it's like the warning track, right? Uh, the, the yellow ring is, is when, I, when I start entertaining thoughts of, of that other ring, trouble. And, and that means phone a friend right there, Regis. Phone a friend. I, right, right now, I'm calling the trusted friend. I'm going, hey, dude, I'm entertaining thoughts. I'm thinking that this might be good. Like, I, I don't. Um, and, and so if you're an alcoholic, alcoholics in, in AA will tell you about conversations that they have, even with themselves. Like, I'm, I'm being tempted. And you're talking back to yourself, no, that's not worth. Like, when you're having the conversation, you've got to call somebody. So you've got to call somebody. So that's what goes in, in the yellow. And, and, and again, um, it, it could be... It, like, you, you, you fill in the blank of what that, what that warning track uh, looks like, right? So, so if it's pornography, you could say, hey, watching a radar movie, that's my yellow track. So I can't, I can't do that. I can't, uh, you know, 
you know, whatever. Whatever, you fill in the blank. You've got to figure out what that looks like. And then the blue track. And, uh, and so, so he started talking about the third ring. And, and Ben's like, wait, wait, so what is the third ring? Is that like the warning track before the warning? How many warning tracks do you have, man? He goes, no, 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 that's not it at all. So he said the third ring are, are things that restore your soul, things that bring you joy without asking for soul-crushing compromise. Because the other rings, that ultimately, that's what they do, is they crush your soul, they crush your spirit. And he said, like, what brings you joy? And here is the thing I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, when you go home and you try to write down these rings, that is going to be your hardest thing to fill in, is what brings you joy without... Because here's what addiction says to you. It says, I'm your only release. That's what it says. I'm your only release. I'm your best release. Nobody knows. We've got a pack. Nobody will find out. Nobody can see that credit card. Nobody can see... I mean, you, you, like, literally, I'm just telling you, like, addiction will tell you, I'm your only release. Okay? But that's not true. You've got to find godly sources of refreshment and release. Uh, ben Stewart puts it this way. He says, when your marriage or your ministry or your career or your friends cease to be fun, you will seek pleasure somewhere else. If you do not actively observe what your positive releases are and prioritize them, you'll be more vulnerable to the enemy's suggestion. And he says this, I love it. Your self-discipline may keep you from certain sins for a time, but when you're tired, frustrated, or feel a sense of entitlement, the enemy will solicit your mind with illicit alternatives and you will be primed for a fall. You guys remember the 23rd Psalm? What does the Lord who is our shepherd do ultimately? He restores our soul. We need soul restorative activities to replace to run to instead of. They form a, a force field, if you will, a barrier of protection against the addictions that we have faced. And y'all, it, it's got to be, you've got to fill up that ring, make it so thick, so thick, and you pursue those things so often that eventually those other rings hopefully will shrink away. Okay? It's important. I do want to remind you of this. It's always important. If you talk about addiction with somebody, I want to remind you, Jesus has already conquered this giant. The giant's already defeated. We're just not walking in the victory that Jesus has provided. And you can. It is a, like you're able to do it. But the key is vulnerability with God and with others. All right? Pray with me this morning. If you want to talk about this message afterwards, come see us. Email me. My email's jason at fbcelgin.org. Uh, we will point you in the right direction. We'll get you the help you need, okay? Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for your word. Um, God, I just want to say it. I want to be like David and not like Saul. But so often I find that spear in my hand acting like I'm more powerful than I really am. And today I pray that you would do a work in my heart that I would just lay it down and say no more. I'm not going to act anymore. Help us be brutally honest with you about who we are so that you can fill in all the gaps and all the voids. Give us a vision. Help us discover what actually is fun for us in soul restorative. God, we ask that in your holy and precious name. Amen.